Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. So this is Dr. Dan, and uh, we're in the midst of an incredible discussion between Bob Kaplan and David Wilson. Well, that's kind of like all the other grants, uh, rationales like how fast can, what is it, snails crawl on a, a treadmill or was it shrimp or something like shrimp. that? Yeah. So what we're, what we're up against really here is, is an agenda. I mean, that really is what this is all about. It's, and the agenda has nothing to do specifically with climate change. Climate change is a tool, like any of the other tools that collectivists would use to take over a country. I like this one sentence you have here that the Marxist national education goal is a population that is technically competent but intellectually ignorant. Uh, and, and really, that is, what, that is what we're grooming here in this country. We're grooming people who can't think. They have no way of, adding, of understanding anything. They have no way of having what you called, Bob, critical thought. They're completely ignorant in that regard. Uh, they may be competent in, in welding or, who knows, driving a car or using a computer. Yeah. But when it comes to the ability to assess problems and solve problems by a method that, meet, that really matters, they are incapable of doing that. And they end up making uh, the decision to let the government make the decisions for them. You know, de- making your own decisions is not always easy, but... Uh, I tell you what, I am seeing more and more of this where people are just sort of advocating their freedom for someone that sort of, you know, protect them. And they're looking for protection from the government. And the government knows now you just scare the people and you can get them to do just about anything. And I, you know, we're talking about climate. I I was talking to a friend of mine who is a military person. I ended up having some time that I took military tactics and military strategy. And I said, you know, we're almost like in the classic pincer movement. And he said, how's that? I said, well, you know, you've got climate change coming this way. You've got, you know, virus phobia. In other words, COVID starting. You know, they tried monkeypox, not working too well. But and you're coming around and you're using fear to do this. And he said, well, you know what Sun Tzu said about why he did not recommend the pincer movement. And I said, well, I think I recall, didn't he say if it's too weak and people realize it, they can break out and then come around and then engulf you. And I said, well, I, I, I that's something to think about. And I, I did. I thought about it and I said, you know what? This is probably what we've got is a pincer movement of fear 
but people are not stupid. And some of these people are remem- are figuring out what in the world is going on here. I think with climate, when the cost starts hitting them, they're going to say, hmm, I don't know whether this is correct or not. And we may have people break out of this thing. I hope so. That leads us to really one of the most important parts of our discussion, and that is the unintended or in this case, probably intended consequences of the UN uh, proposed solutions to stopping what they call climate change caused by mankind, which obviously that is that in and of itself is a lie. But let's talk, what are the unintended, what, what are we going to be dealing with, not only in, primarily in this country, what are we going to be dealing with uh, when it comes to the programs that are socialist people in Washington, D.C. are trying to uh, impose upon us. Dr. Dan, one of the uh, costs or things they're trying to impose is a a new method of transportation. Our current administration wants everyone to go out and just buy an electric car as if they can afford it. I don't know uh, people in the listening audience has ever priced these electric vehicles that henceforth known as EVs. These things are not cheap. So you're looking at 30 to forty fifty thousand dollars for these things if you get these cars even then you have problems that go along with it and they want to substitute these uh car type cars for gasoline powered diesel powered vehicles the issue with that that if we did that number one our electric grid could not handle that you either have to make a decision do you want to charge your house and run your air conditioner at night have a nice night sleep a good night's sleep or do you want to charge your car because thousands of other people are making the same decision it's going to overload the grid so the cost of electricity will go up your decision to drive to town or not to drive to town and if you drive to town are you going to run your radio or are you going to run your windshield wipers because the battery's low and by the way, you forgot to charge your car last night, so now you're going to be late for work. The charging times I've heard are in the hours, whereas in a gasoline-powered car, you might fill up in three to five minutes, and that's a long time. Uh, Diesels uh, have a a lifespan that I've been told is twice as long as a gas-powered car, but the electric vehicles they have issues when they're repaired are very expensive. And so they're going to run into these repair issues they hadn't thought about. I've also heard from uh, EMS people that an electrical fire is fought differently than a gasoline fire. So if you have people trapped in a car with an EV, they have to use a different firefighting method than the people, the rescuers would use to fight a gasoline fire. And those things burn longer and they're self-sustaining and they're hotter. So that's an issue that people haven't thought about with the with this new energy source. The um, chargers, uh, they come in three levels. The slow charge, which are ch- cheaper, you plug it into your wall, which might take 10 hours or more, and it might take a day. It depends on the kind of car and the battery you have. Yeah, one of the things, and this is, I'm, I take a little bit of different view on this than uh, David. These problems will take care of themselves if you evolve into this. You let the marketplace drive yes. this. If this is a better vehicle and you solve the problems uh, for a, a certain person's need, it's going to be there. I mean, I 
uh, we ended up getting lithium-ion batteries for the super-duper golf cart, and it will scream up the hill, and my wife can sneak up on the deer and everything like that. But it went through a lot of evolution before it got there. So the big thing to me is pushing things faster than the market would push it normally. You've got the government forcing you to go into these things, and you get these arbitrary numbers like, oh, we're going to have 30% of our fleet, uh, you know, and then not looking at what you're talking about, the consequences. All of these things can be solved in time, like your friend said, but if you take it slow, if you, you've got 5% of the vehicles are out there and you start noticing what happens with accidents and stuff like that, you're going to darn well fix it when you're only killing you know, a couple hundred people. But imagine getting them all out there faster than the EMSs can right. uh, ad- address. So it's a lot of it time. Uh, there is a tremendous cost when you force something too fast, but you know, as a, a product comes more and more popular, price tends to go down. So a lot of this stuff is just driven uh, beyond reason. And then at the end of the day, you've got to look at the fact of saying, okay, what did we accomplish related to what was the objective now? Oh, saving the planet from global warming. And again, I always come back to say, okay, fine. But what did we accomplish? You know, what did we accomplish here? There are some things. I was at a trade show, and they have the photovoltaic uh, shingles that will be coming. Uh, and again, it's it's timing, you know, forcing things faster than it makes economic sense. So if you're saying, well, we've got to do this to save the planet, we don't the heck with the money, we got to do this to save the planet. Again, when you look at the science, look at the real science, you know, everything indicates that man is a minor player in this. And so, you know, people need to understand that. They need to understand that this is very selected science. It is being, the UN is is driving this thing. And I think uh, I, I went through, reviewed what the, uh, the, the goals, the big goal, big picture goals of the UN, which we are tying into when we joined this Paris Accord, Paris Treaty, we basically are committing to doing that. And so we're going to, we're committing to decarbonize the whole, all of human activity, agriculture, land use, power generation by 2050. Why, why is that date important? No one has actually told me what magic thing happens. We're supposed to, we're, we're committing to develop green jobs with inclusive growth. Now, what does that mean? That means equity in the growth of jobs. Create a green economy that makes society and people more resilient through a transition that is fair to all and leaves no one behind. That's translated as wealth transfer. Uh, Invest in sustainable solutions. More government control. Confronting all climate risk. That's probably perpetual government control. And then a, a cooperation involving all the world's countries. Hmm. Sounds like the UN's going to be doing a lot, a lot more. But the, the thing that was at the end of this report from the UN, they concluded that the Paris Treaty will not stop climate change or the, the, 
so-called Armageddon, it'll just make it not so bad. So we're going to do all this stuff, spend all this money, change the whole way we live, take away a lot of the freedoms we have, and what we're going to get from it in 2100, uh, my gosh, 80 years from now, we're going to get this benefit of it not being as bad as it could have been, but it's still going to be bad. So let's go off the, the science. Let's go off all of that stuff for a moment. What is, in your view, both of you, what is the end game here? What is the real end game? Dr. Dan, I think the end game is is control. Uh, these people are looking to, to control every aspect of our lives. So when you go after and attack the energy sector, you have got people pretty much in control because nobody can get by without energy. They're going after the money market now where they control our money. And they're, if you get somebody's money, you get a man's money, and you get the energy, and and you eventually get control of the means of production, you're very much uh, in line with a Marxist society where they're in charge, we're in line for handouts, and that's I think that's their end goal. Yeah, I, th- I think that just the UN is telling us what, what the end goal is on this, is they they need to be in control to save us from climate change. They need to be in control to save us from pandemics, and you're you're looking and saying, well, well, wait a minute. You know, what about our freedom? Who who is going to be making these decisions for us? Is the World Health Organization going to be telling us how to deal with ec- uh, pandemics? And it, well, yes. Is the U is the UN going to be telling us how we're going to deal with environmental issues? Obviously, yes. So it's control. Uh, it is control at the national level. You've you've got that. But I think there's a bigger picture here, and it, it's really what the, you know. I started to see in Washington before I stopped. I, you know, worked out of there for quite a few years. But there was already this tension between you know nationalism and globalism, and you've got a lot of people that think this would be really great if we just had one great big world government where everything would be shared equally and and so on. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, but then, you know, when it comes to who controls the means of production, do private individuals and corporations or does the government? And there are a lot of people in this country that think the government should be controlling the means of production. Well, that is Marxism. That is socialism. That's correct. So, Which includes the energy production. Yes, everything. Everything. So you've got these tensions that are there, and this science is such a great way to just continue to infiltrate because you've got fear, and you've got uh, politicians that haven't had a course in physical science probably in their whole life or if they've forgotten it all, and so they're somewhat bamboozled. A lot of them know what's going on, and they kind of like what's going on. So you've got, you've got ignorance, and you've got fear— 
and you've got people that have objectives. You know, Dr. Dan, process. that's correct. This whole thing is not about climate change. It's not about fixing the environment. It's not about keeping the Earth's climate cool and uh, uh, the Earth uh, a nice place to live. It is truly about uh, someone else running our lives. And I think on a, from the national level, eventually to the global level, we're looking at uh, it's an evil that uh, has infiltrated down to the lowest level. I, I will mention back to uh, something the, uh, the other night. I was looking at a little uh, quiz this student was taking. She needed some assistance. We're allowed to do that. And I was looking at all these graphs on this test that had been generated by the state of Georgia. And every single on every single graph, it was look what we are doing to our climate. Look what we're doing to our planet. Can't you see that this carbon dioxide is heating this planet up? And the kid's supposed to mark A, B, C, or D, and there's only one answer that they want, and the correct answer is yes, carbon dioxide's heating it up. And if you don't mark that, you're not going to get the grade. And so this is an infiltration into their minds. And the girl asked me, said, what do I do? I mean, I'd already talked to her. I said, well, just put down the answer so you can pass. And that, otherwise, you can't fight it on that level. But we can fight it on a larger level. Level. We can go through our representatives and say, we're not going to stand for this. We're not going to convert over to electric cars. It, it takes time for that technology to catch up, like Bob was saying. Yeah, I, I think this has got to be multi-level. Yes. I think you've got to get parents and grandparents involved with their school boards, definitely meet with their teachers if they're uh, you know, in the lower grades, and see you know, how that teacher is thinking about these things and, and know about that. Because... They're getting bad, bad information, bad science when it comes to this. I, I have no idea what else they're being taught in there. But, uh, you know, our my grandkids, you know, thank goodness they're in a good private school right now, but they're transitioning to the public school. And it's like, we better check and see because it's not just uh, climate misinformation. There's a lot of other misinformation that's, right. that's uh, going in here. Uh, Dr. Dan, can I mention something quickly uh, for the the radio audience? Keep in mind, everyone, that this climate agenda is brought to you by the same people that gave us the hole in the ozone theory. And we've learned since that that was a natural opening and closing or thinning, if you will. And that process, there was a French scientist back in the day, his Harun Tazif, T-A-T-A, Z-I-E-F-F, you can look him up. He stood up to it. He was the only one in France that stood up to it and said, look, this is an agenda. It's been invented by what he called green politicians for uh, the electorate to, to, to get their vote. And uh, since then, we've learned that ultraviolet light, when it shines down on the earth, and most of the earth is, is water, it's, it's salt water, it releases a lot of chlorine. And guess what chlorine does? Well, it breaks down CFs, breaks down ozone, and that's the thing they were all afraid about and are afraid of. And they said, "We got to do something about this." Well, that that is just to, to play on that. It's back to the same thing. Mother Nature predominates the impact. The CFCs are a minor player. Well, Bob Kappelman and David Wilson, I want to thank you both for. Really an incredible discussion. I think 
it's come around at the end of our discussion what this is all about. I think that's the most important piece of information that we could give out to people today. Um, and that's why I want you all to memorize a phrase, and that phrase is, I will not comply with your unconstitutional rules, regulations, laws, and edicts that steal my freedom and attempt to control my life. Learn to say that phrase over and over again. Repeat as necessary, because if we don't stand up for our freedoms, they will assuredly be lost. Thank you both very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank Thank you, you, Dr. Dan. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything.